This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Later on this morning at 9.30, the Walk for Reconciliation will be taking place in Vancouver. It's a two-kilometer route from Canby Street in Georgia to Strathcona Park. And joining me to talk a bit more about this and the importance of this walk is Chief Robert Joseph. He's the co-founder of Reconciliation Canada. Chief Robert Joseph, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Oh, I'm so happy to be on your show this morning. Uh, talk a little bit about the walk that you founded, that you were very instrumental in bringing uh, to uh, to take place back in 2013. And uh, if you could, just tell us a little bit about the, the inaugural walk and what happened there. Oh, yeah, okay. A few years ago, we had a 2013, uh, September of that year, we had our first walk. This is the second walk, of course. And uh, at that first walk, we were... Uh, uh, we brought about the walk because we wanted wanted to heighten the awareness around the Truth and Reconciliation Commission hearings that were coming to Vancouver at that time, and, and just in general to have more Canadians know about uh, the report that was coming out and, and our shared history. And we think it's important to educate um, all Canadians about our shared history together, that of the Aboriginal history as well because it's been very broken and uh, this is a moment of reconciliation for this country Uh, we've had uh, interest from coast to coast from canadians of all walks of life big business little business uh, everybody industry faith groups cultural groups uh, just about everybody wanting to know more about reconciliation and how they can get engaged because they believe that reconciliation is an important process to go through in this country for all of us. And so we're having this uh, second walk again to reaffirm to all all of the people here in Vancouver and British Columbia and across the country, for those who will be hearing about our walk, to reaffirm our commitment to the process. We need to keep it on a front banner burner so that people uh, always are willing to be engaged in reconciliation with each other. What does reconciliation look like to you as far as the end game or, or the the outcome or the, the down yeah, the road if we keep this going? Yeah, ultimately, uh, reconciliation uh, means a, a, a better Canada, that's for sure. It means that we're more peaceful, more gentle, compassionate, caring, more inclusive, more equal, all of the things that we already embrace as a country as values. We can breathe life into those and, and meet our own aspirations as Canadians in general. But uh, more, just as importantly, we need to elevate the condition of the lives of Aboriginal com- com- uh, people in this country because there's such a huge, huge disparity. We hear about it every day, the poverty and despair and the suicide and brokenness, the unemployment and all of the things that are required to bring us up to the same level as all other Canadians with respect to living conditions. conditions. And so it's going to take all of us making an effort to understand our history, why we got to the positions that we're in, and more importantly, what we need to do to move forward together. When you talk about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, do you believe or have things changed? Have we, have we achieved our goals? Are we getting closer to reconciliation since that report came out? Uh, since the uh, report came out, uh, there's been a huge shift in national consciousness. Well, uh, more Canadians know about our, uh, our relationships, Aboriginals and Canadians in general, and the disparity that exists. 
And there have been dialogue and discussion all across the country with all segments of society. So while we have a really long way to go, we have come a ways already in that short period of time. It's very encouraging and promising, and we got to stay on on that road, that process. Uh, when you when you mentioned living conditions, and that's one area where we see uh, disparity uh, in living conditions for for many uh, Indigenous people, for many uh, First Nations. If we look at something like clean drinking water, what is the obstacle that is stopping communities from getting clean drinking water? I think uh, primarily, uh, you know what, uh, racism. I think has a lot to do with it over the colonial period and to this this moment in time. Uh, various levels of government who have been able to do something didn't do anything because they don't think we're a priority or that we are uh, engaged in the same level of services as others. So they they lag and they um, drag their feet, and it's really not necessary. I think that all of us can be assured of safe drinking water and all of the amenities that others take for granted. It should be that way. And I think when Canadians understand that it isn't, they're going to be insisting on some sense of equality and delivery of service. But is it a money issue, or why? Why? What is stopping? Uh, no, 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 it's primarily an attitudinal issue. I, I think that this is a very rich country; it can probably afford to fix all of those real shortcomings that we have in the Indigenous community. But it's an attitudinal condition that needs to shift, and that the. Uh, Canada and other levels of government need to know that they have to begin to invest in uh, Aboriginal community and that in the long term, that investment is going to translate into prosperity for everybody else. Uh, the Prime Minister recently at the United Nations used his time to talk about reconciliation, to talk about Canada's uh, history when it comes to Indigenous people. Uh, did you take from that that things will change or, or were those empty words for you? You know, when we started off on this road of reconciliation, uh, nobody believed in those early words. Everybody thought it was lip service. And nobody believed in the former prime minister's apology, and they thought it was just a uh, showcase. But since that time, and every time some prominent political leader makes a commitment of some kind because of the conditions that exist, it's an admission, a confession that things are deeply wrong. And so that always deepens our understanding about the divisions we have and the marginalization that exists. So so it's useful to hear the Prime Minister at the United Nations saying those things, and we're going to keep reminding him, of course, that he said these things and want him to live up to his words. Uh, didn't you help word the apology given by former Prime Minister, by Stephen Harper? Uh, yes, that's right. Stephen Harper... Uh, was the prime minister then back in 2007 or 2008. And the uh, indigenous community uh, wasn't pleased at all with that man. They were very unhappy with him, and he made the apology. But nonetheless, uh, some of us recognize that when the highest representative of our government in this land uh, apologizes for something that validates our story, the claims that we made about the abuse and the horror and the horror and experiences that we had in residential schools. So it was a really useful apology. Uh, Chief, you came from a, a, a painful past. You overcame 
uh, things that most people would have no idea what that is like. What is your role? How do you use that today with walks like this? And what is your role, do you think, as far as reconciliation and getting to that point? Yeah, one one of the uh, one of the uh, the first things I understood was that if I was if I was going to be speaking for or, or being a part of a healing movement among the survivors of residential schools, I had to become healthy and, and speak strongly and positively about the potential for healing and then moving forward, of course. And then as the uh, reconciliation process began to uh, uh, evolve, I recognized that it was we, the Aboriginal people and survivors and our leaders, who would need to invite Canadians to the table of reconciliation. For the most part, when I travel a country, the first thing that everybody says is, well, now that we know what we do, what do we do? Invite us in. We don't feel comfortable just walking in. That's what we did the first time. And so it's important uh, for someone uh, like myself to, to make that kind of, to extend that kind of invitation and to have the willingness to have dialogue. Not every survivor feels like me, of course, but that's okay. We grow that out. We grow the idea that moving forward in new ways is better than the old, old, old ways that we've had for a long time that haven't worked. Uh, do you think reconciliation is achievable? Oh, absolutely. Uh, as we speak, it's underway in this country. The horse is out of the barn. Reconciliation is taking place. Big business, municipalities, uh, just all ki- uh, all kinds of segments of society are engaged in a reconciliation. There are nonetheless still huge uh, initiatives that need to be undertaken by governments, like uh, resolving rights and title, honoring uh, treaties, uh, uh, sharing the wealth of this country so that all of us can be part of what we call prosperity. Those are all possible, and they're beginning to be considered, and in some places, places move forward. So, yes, it's very possible. What I know is this, though, is that reconciliation is an endless process. Just when we think we're perfect, we're going to discover other imperfections. And that's why we need to be diligent and keep working on it every day and accept reconciliation as a core value so that we uh, practice it every day. Chief Robert Joseph, I appreciate you so much coming on the show this morning. Uh, I know you'll get a good attendance for the walk today. Thank you again so much. Okay, thank you. And everybody, come to the walk if you haven't heard about it. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.